Welcome to the South Coast Christian Podcast. I'm Pastor Tom Westerfield. On behalf of myself and our entire staff, we want to thank you for listening, and we hope this message uplifts and encourages you this week. Uh, we're in our third week in our series, Can You Hear Me Now? How many have been enjoying that series? Have you been enjoying it? A couple of you? Okay, good. Um, We've all experienced times when our connection gets a little poor. Um, I love that clip with Robin Williams when he's on top of the RV, trying to get that connection where he can send out his documents. And, and I was thinking about there's times in our lives where, and we all have gotten frustrated. Man, we can't hear somebody. And you're trying to communicate with them, and you get frustrated because of that poor connection. Over the last couple of weeks, we've dealt with our connection with God in a couple different ways. The first question we, a- we answered was, is God hearing me? Is God hearing me? Last week we answered the question, am I hearing God? If you haven't heard that, uh, those messages, you can get them on the podcast, on our app, and you can listen to that later on today. But how about the conversation, today I want to talk about, how, how about the conversation that doesn't have any interference? You are talking to a person on the phone and you made a statement, or you, made a, you asked a question, I don't know if you've ever had this happen, and you're talking to them, and you think that they're still there, but they're not replying back to you. You ask something that I don't know if you offended them, or they're having to think about it, and you ask, are you still there? And there's kind of a long pause in that, and all of a sudden, yeah, I'm still here. Have you ever had that happen to you when you're asking, and you're wondering what's going on? And there's really no infer- interference The connection is fine, but the person on the other end of that line is not responding. And pretty soon, you make that statement. Can you hear me now? Are you still there? The conversation has become awkward, and there's a lot of silence on both ends of the line. What happened? Whatever, maybe you asked them to, you know, do a favor. Or maybe you asked a question that was too personal, or whatever it might be. There was an awkward silence before the response. There are times in our communication with God that that conversation can become awkward. God has asked you for something. He has impressed upon your heart or upon your mind that you should be doing something. And now you're trying to figure out how you should respond. I've had that happen. I don't know if you've had it. I've had the Lord just impress on me. You need to do this. And I'm going, I don't want to do that, Lord. And all of a sudden, I'm just silent with the Lord. I'm trying to figure out how do I respond. See, most of the time, God hasn't become silent with us. Many times, we have become silent with him. Today, the question I want to answer is this. How do I respond to God when God speaks? When God speaks to you, when he starts to share, how do you respond to God? Because your response, I think, will make all the difference in your success and failure. I'm not speaking of worldly success right now. I'm really speaking of your relationship with the Father, your relationship with God, spiritual success. How do you respond when God speaks? It's that success that will affect all of your eternity. From here, down, from here forward, it will affect your life. Not only will it affect your life, I want you to catch this thought because I think sometimes we live so selfishly in our society today because we live for me, myself, and I. Boy, it's quiet in this room today. Okay. We do. Come on. We do. But what happens if we put changed our thinking, and instead of living for me, myself, and I, I started living for the generations to come? That I'm setting a standard for tomorrow's generation. That I'm setting a hope 
out there for tomorrow's generation. This, see, the old way we used to do, we used to set, set a standard of law. That, man, that was just hard. Just ugh. But what happened? We set a standard of hope for the next generation. Because the next generation is a lot of them, uh, 20% is that, according to youth, that are c- considering suicide. Why? Because we haven't set a standard of hope for them. Let's set a standard of hope. Let's believe what God can do. Let's show them what God can do. And let's stop being silent and let's start responding to God. Consider this. When we respond to God's word, we are responding to God himself. You cannot disconnect the two. When you respond to God's word, you're responding to God himself. Many times we try to disconnect the word of God from the person of God. But that is not possible. They are one in the same. John 1.1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. They're one in the same. You cannot separate those two. How do you respond to God's Word? His Word is found in the Bible. His Word is found when it is spoken to us by His Spirit into our lives. His Word is found in His Son, Jesus Christ form of human flesh. Remember, Jesus is referred to as the Word because Jesus is the ultimate plan for God's salvation for mankind. Jesus is the living Word. Jesus is God's spoken, catch this thought, Jesus is God's spoken response to mankind's sin. Jesus is God's, uh, Jesus is God's spoken response to mankind's sin. We were dead in our sins. And guess what the Heavenly Father did? He spoke the will, I'm going to send a Savior. It was all throughout the Old Testament. It's spoken throughout the Old Testament that a Savior is coming. And that Savior was his very own son, Jesus Christ. So the next time you think about, when you, see, you hear this thought that, the, that Jesus is the Word, that's why it's referred to Jesus as the Word, because he's the Word that saved us. From our sins. Jesus is the living word. Last week I shared how God is continually speaking into our lives. And he, how he speaks in a variety of ways. God speaks through his written word. He speaks through us to, through our, to us through our, his spirit. Jesus' response to our need for forgiveness will forever speak of God's love for us. But how do you respond to God's word will make all the difference in your life. When we respond with doubt... I've been preaching this theme for quite a while. I've just been preaching on faith, 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 faith. I'm preaching more and more on that direction. But when we respond to God's word in doubt, when God gives you a word and you know it comes from God and you don't have the faith to believe and you all of a sudden respond with doubt, it's like when you're talking with your friend on that phone and you've asked a question and all of a sudden it goes silent on the other end. When God all of a sudden starts to speak to you and you don't all of a sudden rise up in your faith and reply back in faith, all of a sudden you have that fear. It's like it's gone dead on the other end of that line. It's silent on that other side. Today I want to share with you three thoughts that I hope that will help you today to respond to God's word. The first thing is this, that you've got to trust that God has a plan for your life. You've got to trust that God has a plan for your life. It's hard to have faith in God's word if you don't believe that God has a plan for your life. Think about it. 
It's hard to have faith in someone else's word when you don't know, if you don't have the confidence that they're for you and not against you. It's hard to have faith in their word. It's hard to have faith in God's word. You got to believe that God is for you. He's not against you. As I've shared before, God is crazy about you. He loves you. Not crazy in a bad way, crazy in a good way. Crazy enough that he's extravagant love sent his son for you. He loves you. You've got to know that God has a plan for your life. His desire is that you have a permanent relationship with him. This is confirmed in God's word. It says in Romans 5, 8, but God demonstrates his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, what? Christ died for us. Not once we all of a sudden put, he died before we even had our faith in him. He died for us because he's crazy about you. He's crazy in love with you. He has a plan for your life. And you need to have faith in that plan. You need to believe it in the deep of your core that yes, God has a plan for my life. It's important to establish your thoughts in your heart and in your mind that God loves you. No matter what it was, whatever has ever happened, what you've ever done, no matter the disappointments you have caused, God's love for you never changes. Do you understand that? It doesn't matter what you've ever done or the disappointments or what people have ever said over you. God's love never changes over you. And because God loves you, he has a plan for you. Jeremiah 29, 11, God states to the Israelites, For I know the plans I have for you. The Israelites were God's chosen people. And now through Christ Jesus, we are chosen people of God. And it's our responsibility to respond to the love that God has shown us. Respond in faith. The Apostle Paul writes these words in Romans 8.28. He says, and we know that in all things, say that with me, in all things, things. say it again, in all things, things. not quite there yet, in all things, things. that's, that's it, that was it, there you go. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. That's a promise. If you love God, he's going to work for the good of you who have been called according to his purpose. Think about that last statement, called according to his purpose. That states that God has a plan for you. And his plan for you is in his purpose of the bigger picture of life. You have a purpose in the greater picture. You are part of God's plan. We have been called and we have, been, we have to answer his call. You have to respond to his word. The other really cool insight about this scripture is that God will use your circumstances. He will use your difficulties for his glory. Notice that the scripture doesn't say that all things are good. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say all things are good. Because you know why? Because bad things happen in this world. Even Jesus said, you're going to have troubles. Just understand that. But I'm going to be with you through your troubles. Our confidence should be in knowing that God is able, and this is such a cool thought. Our confidence should be in that God is able to take all things and work them out for our good. Meaning for those who love God, he is consistently taking your difficulties and circumstances and using for his glory. It doesn't matter what has happened to you, 
what you have done. He can transform your difficulties in glorious victories. Think about Joseph's life. You know the guy that had the coat of many colors? He was the one that was favored by his father. Think about his life. He was hated by his brothers. He was falsely accused in his life. He was sent into prison. I mean, the difficulties and the struggles that he had had to go through, all those different things, and yet God took all those circumstances, all those things that the enemy meant for evil, God turned around all those things for good, and it was all a part of his glory. And in fact, his brothers were even blessed by what took place. Think about the Apostle Paul, another great example. God working all things together for good. Paul was a hater of Christ. He hated Christians. He hated the whole thought. He was persecuting them. He was wanting to get rid of Christianity. But when he surrendered his life to Jesus Christ, God took all of those things of his past, and he changed it around and used it for his glory. For his glory. Know this thought. That God has the power to fix anything in your life. And you got to have the faith to believe it. That he can do it. He can take your rotten decisions. And he can take those rotten decisions and turn them around for his glory. If you choose to love him and follow after him. Step out in faith. Trust God. That's the first thing. Second thing. You need to understand that God's plan is bigger than you. God's plan is bigger than you. Many times we think everything revolves around me. I do. Come on, most of you do. I'm just super honest, and some of you guys are still trying to get there, but I am. Everything revolves around me, and we think about that, and then all of a sudden God reminds me, not that everything revolves around you, bud. And all of a sudden he reminds me, and sometimes the reminder is hurtful sometimes. It's hard, it's, it's difficult, but he has to remind you. And he reminds me that everything's about you. Many times we think about it. But when you just start discovering that you are a a part of a bigger plan, then you can start believing and trusting in God even in a greater way. Because when you all of a sudden just think it's about you, man, your vision and your dream diminishes. It gets so small. You know what I'm saying? You know, have you been there? It's so small. It's depressing. When all of a sudden it's just about me, me, myself, and I. And all of a sudden when you start expanding it because you start recognizing that God's purpose, you're just part of God's plan. God's purpose starts to expand. Guess what? All of a sudden things and opportunities start opening up to you to greater opportunity, greater things that God wants to do in and through your life. You have to understand that God's plan is bigger than you. Proverbs 19.21 states these words. You can make many plans. I love this scripture. You can make many plans, but the Lord's purpose will prevail. This is why our life must be lived according to his purpose. Our prayers must be lived according to his will. God's plan for us fulfills a larger plan for all people. It's not just about me. It's about the lives of others as well. Besides that, God loves us enough, catch this thought, God loves us enough not to allow all of our plans to succeed. Some of you got it. And I'm so proud of you that some of you guys got that. Aren't you glad that all the plans that you've had throughout your life didn't succeed? There were some plans that were going to give you destruction. 
You know, your children have many wonderful plans. You know, a child's plan to put their sibling on a cookie sheet and go down the staircase towards that glass window seems like a wonderful plan in their mind. But to a parent, when they see what the plan is, they're going, "Uh uh-oh, this is going to end bad. This is going to end towards destruction. And you stop that plan from ever starting because you know what? You love your child. God loves you enough that when all of a sudden you start praying for a plan or for a purpose, and it's not according to his will, and it's going to take you down a road that you're going to fall away. He's going to, "Ah, I'm going to stop that right here. I'm going to interrupt that plan because I love him. I love her. God's plan is bigger than your plan. Joseph trusted in the greater plan that God had for his life. Even though everything was falling apart around him, he was in prison. Even his one friend that he, two friends that he, that he makes in jail, the baker and the, they forget about him. I mean, he does some wonderful things for them, interprets their dream. And as soon as they get out, they forget about him. But, God, but Joseph never felt forgot about God. After the Apostle Paul surrendered his life to Jesus, he trusted in God's greater plan for his life. He never looked back. The only time he looked back was just to praise God for what he was delivered from. That's the only reason he looked back. Paul went through many hardships. See, Paul's hardships actually increased after he started following Jesus. Have you ever thought about that one? They did. He was shipwrecked multiple times. He was stoned. There was a lot of problems. He was bit by a snake. Almost died. All those type of things. It wasn't easy. But you see, all those things happened for a greater plan, for a greater purpose, that God could be glorified. The opposite perspective is also found in the Bible. It's found in the life of Judas, the disciple who betrayed Jesus. He only believed in his plan. He never believed in God's plan, or God had a plan for his life. He consistently walked around with unbelief and not in faith. He could never respond to God's word because he never believed in God's greater plan. He never truly believed in Jesus. He always chose to follow greed and selfish desires, and it ultimately led him towards betraying the Son of God. Yet we know that God even used Judas's betrayal for his ultimate purpose, right? We know that God even used what Judas did for his ultimate purpose. Because Judas's plan was to stop Jesus. But it accomplished the exact opposite. It led Jesus to ultimate victory. Understand, God's plan is bigger than your plan. Start trusting in his plan. His plan will prevail with you or without you. Have you ever thought about it? You want to be with him or without him? His plan's going to prevail. Proverbs 19.21, what I shared earlier. You can make your plans, but the Lord's purpose will prevail. The last thought I want to share with you is this today. In in regards to responding to God's word. God's plan requires faith and obedience. God is looking for people with faith. Enough faith in their life that it will lead them to obedience. Have you ever asked anyone or has anyone ever asked you for advice? You ever get someone calls you and says, hey, can I get some advice from you? And you start sharing advice, and, and your advice is good advice. Maybe you're an expert in this area or whatever it is. 
you know, maybe you're an insurance uh, salesperson, someone's asking you about insurance, and you're giving them great advice on it, and, 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 but yet they don't respond with any action. They don't respond to you in a positive way. And I've had this before where people ask me advice, and, and they, don't, they, don't, they don't do anything with my advice. <laughs> that was good advice. Why don't you follow it? And then they ask me for advice again, and again, they don't do anything with my advice. They just want to hear my voice or something. They don't act upon it at all. They just do their own thing again. And they come back and ask for my advice again, and just being stupid once again, I give my advice out again, and no one responds. How do you respond to that person eventually? What takes place? Eventually, you stop sharing with that person. You stop sharing in deep conversations. It's not that you don't converse with them at all, but you don't have any depth with them anymore. Because why? Because they never listen to any of your advice. They might hear it, but they don't act upon it. The Bible states in 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 22, it says, Obedience is better than sacrifice. And submission is better than offering the fat of rams. Sacrifice in the Old Testament was a way to appease the anger of God. Because man disobeyed God. It was a way to appease God. But the better action, I want to catch this, the better action was obedience. Because sacrifice was only necessary because of disobedience. You see, it was a disobedience in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve, that started the whole necessity of sacrificing for, for their, their sins. See, if there was obedience, there was never sacrifice needed. So obedience is greater than sacrifice. Amen. Obedience is a greater response, and in many ways, many times, it's a more difficult response. Because obedience requires submission to the will of the Father. See, sacrifice doesn't necessarily require submission. You can put an animal on the altar and sacrifice, and it doesn't mean that you're submitting. But obedience means that you're submitting to God's will. God desires that we respond to his word with a faith that leads to obedience. James writes these words. Just as the body is dead without breath, so also faith is dead without good works. We must respond to God's word of faith and obedience. When Jesus' authority was challenged by the Pharisees, which happened multiple times throughout Scripture, I want to read a story with you, a parable. That Jesus, these are Jesus' words. Jesus writes these words, or says these words. He says, but what do you think about this? A man with two sons told the older boy, son, go out and work in the vineyard today. The son answered, no, I won't go. I just heard that this day. We had a bunch of little kids. No, I won't go. But later, he changed his mind, and he went anyway. Then the father told the other son, you go. And he said, yes, yes, sir, I will. But he didn't go. Which of the two obeyed his father? They replied, the first. Even though the first one didn't have the right attitude, he eventually came out, and he did what the father had asked him. The second one said, yes, I'll do it, sir, but he never obeyed the father. Then Jesus explained his meaning. He says, I tell you the truth. Corrupt tax collectors and prostitutes will get into the kingdom of God before you. For John the Baptist came and showed you the right way to live, but you didn't believe him, while tax collectors and prostitutes did. And even when you saw this happening, you refused to believe him and repent of your sins. 
I share that story that Jesus shares because he was dealing with people that would say one thing but would do another. They would say one thing, but their actions didn't match up to their words. They thought they had faith, but they didn't because with faith without works is dead. There has to be some kind of action that backs up your words. When all of a sudden God speaks to you, if you want to know how do you respond to God when God speaks to you, you can't just have faith. You've got to have obedience. It has to be a faith that rises up in you in such a way that it will lead you to obedience to the Father's words. And when the Father starts to see that you're going to be obedient to his words, guess what takes place? It opens up the lines of communication even in a greater way because all of a sudden he sees, man, this guy is really, or this gal is really getting it. They are willing to change their lives. They are willing to submit to me, and I'm going to change their lives. But we have to be willing to step out of our comfort zone because faith requires that you step out of your comfort zone. You can stay with doubt and complaining, and eh, eh, I don't want to do that. You know, if I just do that, they're gonna, it's not going to work out anyhow. I don't care what they offered me. It's just not going to work out. How do you know? Especially if God is telling you. If God is speaking your heart and you're always fearful of stepping out and you're never willing to just take that step of faith, which is a step of obedience, uh-huh. all of a sudden God goes, ah, open up the next door. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to step through that door. Open up the next door. This guy's getting, this girl's getting, they're following in faith, which leads to obedience. That's how you respond to God's word. For, for example, when, when Moses heard the voice of God, and Moses, man, he's in Hebrews, he's in the chapter of faith in Hebrews, man. This guy's, this guy's a man of faith, and, and he's listed in the records of the But do you know that Moses struggled with unbelief and with disobedience? When God told Moses, I'm sending you to Pharaoh, Moses responds, Who am I? Moses didn't feel qualified. Do you sometimes don't feel qualified? Okay. Good. When God told Moses the plan, guess what? When you, the Israelites leave Egypt, I know you guys don't have anything. You're penniless. I get that. But when you leave Egypt, guess what's going to happen? The Egyptians are going to give you their gold, their silver, their fine clothes. You're going to walk out blessed and rich out of that country. Moses goes like, what in the world? God, what have you been smoking lately, man? That's not it. There's no way. Sorry about that. God doesn't smoke anything. That was Moses' thought, not God's thought. <laughs> Moses protests, and he's saying to the Israelites, won't you believe me? Won't you listen to me? See, Moses was fearful of God's plan. So you know what God does for Moses? He gives them three really cool miracles. I mean, these are cooler things than what you can do, Evan. I'm just telling you right now. These are cool things that can happen. I mean, guess what? He took a staff, and he turned it into a snake. And then he turns it back into a staff. He takes his hand. He puts it in his cloak. He brings it out, and it's diseased and leprous. He puts it back in, takes it back out, and it's a healthy hand. He goes down to the river Nile. He gets out, uh, scoops out some water. He pours the, the water out of the bucket, and it turns into blood. This is all in the Old Testament. Read your Bible. It's really cool stuff. Miracles. Why did God give him those miracles? Because Moses was doubting. And he said, here's some miracles that you can perform 
Go and show the Israelites. Go and show them, and they will believe. But Moses was fearful of God's plan. Moses pleaded with the Lord. Oh, Lord, I'm not very good with words. I have never spoken. I have never been, and I'm not now, even though you have spoken to me. Because of his speaking ability, Moses was fearful. And I want to, I want, I want to catch this thought for you today. What was Moses fearful of? He was fearful of people, not fearful of God. The better response would have been being fearful of God. What happens if I don't have the faith to be obedient to what God wants me to do? He was fearful of the people, and it's easy to do. We all struggle with that. We all have a tendency to do that in our lives. We all of a sudden, our fear starts to come because of what people might think, what people might do, instead of what God thinks. See, we got to reverse that. You got to reverse the thinking. You can't be worried about what people think. You got to be worried about what God thinks. Yeah, I am. When you know you're not supposed to go to that place where you're going to have one too many drinks, and you're leaving your family at home, and you're going to go take that next drink, and God is speaking into your life, but your buddies are there saying, man, no, 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 you can't leave, you can't, and you're afraid of what they're going to think. Instead of being afraid of what God is thinking right now, you got an issue. You got an issue. When you're afraid of what your boss might think and you're working 60 hours a week, and, and I know we all have to work, we all have to make a living, but man, there's choices we have to make. What does God think about how you're working? Is it glorifying Him? Or is it just glorifying a job instead of trusting God and believing for a greater thing? Because what, guess what? God wants you home with your family. I know you can't be home all the time. But there's decisions. I've known people who have... Who have a, who have shut down a raise or shut down a, 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 a promotion in their life because they knew that it would take them away from their family. They said, no, no, this is more important. What does God think? Moses again pleaded with the Lord, please, Lord, send anyone else. Don't send me. This is Moses. Send anyone else. And the Lord became angry with Moses. That's what scripture says. He became angry with Moses and he says, All right, he said, What about your brother Aaron, the Levite? I'll use him as a spokesman. I'll let his mouth be the mouthpiece of my words. Moses had multiple encounters with God, the voice of God. But because of his lack of faith, because of his disobedience, God chose Aaron, Moses' brother, to be the spokesperson. Moses' disobedience came with a great cost. It caused a lot of difficulty in his life. Remember, it was Moses up on top of the mountain, meeting with God, Ten Commandments. When he came down from the mountain, who was leading the rebellion? His brother Aaron, who had made the golden calf, and they were all worshiping the golden calf. Who was it that tried to do a rebellion against him again? It was, guess what? It was him and his sister now, Miriam. Aaron and Miriam were leading a rebellion against Moses. Then God, man, he whacked him. 
all of a sudden Miriam had a disease unto death and God healed her but it was I believe it all stems back to this one thing that Moses at that point when he heard the word of God he didn't respond in faith I'm drilling this home to you I know I'm repeating myself that's okay he didn't respond in faith that led to obedience if you want to know how do I respond to the word of God that when it comes to me you respond in faith and you respond in, in obedience if you respond in fear and doubt it's like having silence on the other end of the phone God's not hearing anything from you I share all this to bring about this truth God wants you to share with faith and obedience even to the thought I, I was thinking about this with Moses again even at the end of his life they're, they're close to the promised land and once again God tells Moses because they were thirsty they needed water he tells Moses to go and speak to the rock and I don't know the whole story there's a well I actually do but there's a whole nother message to preach but instead of speaking to the rock Moses because of the people and how they were acting he struck the rock and disobeyed God and there's significance in that what big significance in the regards of striking the rock he already struck the rock once he was never supposed to strike the rock again he was supposed to speak to it he's supposed to have the faith to speak to it the obedience to do what God said and because he didn't guess what Moses never entered into the promised land he went up to Mount Moab or Mo whatever mountain that was not Moab but he went up to the mountain and he died at that mountain God shared with him that the children of Israel were going to make it to the promised land God was merciful to that process but I share this whole story for this purpose I want us as a church which means that you as a family when you all of a sudden come to things in your life I want you to respond to God's word his biblical word the word that is written you respond to that in faith and obedience you respond to the Spirit of God when he speaks a word into you you respond to that with faith that leads to obedience you respond to God's word and you need to respond to Christ your Savior and if you haven't done that man I challenge you today he's calling you he died for you he sacrificed his life for you and he's all he's he's waiting for you to respond to his word and it requires faith and obedience to do so Lord we thank you for your word today we praise you God that you are a God that loves us so much that you sent your son Jesus to die on a cross for our sins I pray today Lord God in our series here can you hear me now that God not only have we understood how to better hear you and understand that you do hear us but God I pray today as we leave this place that we will have a greater understanding of how to respond to your word and that God faith would arise up in us in a greater way than ever before and God that faith in us Lord God that faith that 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 you put in us it says that Lord God that you give us the seed of faith Lord God that it will grow and Lord God that it will not just be remain as faith but God is going to turn into obedience for you God I pray that people today might be set free from sin they might be set free from difficulties they might be set free from things that are holding them back from serving you 
I pray it in the name of Jesus right now. With every head bowed, eyes closed for just a moment. If you're here today and you have never accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want you to raise your hand up real high. And we just want to say a prayer. I see that hand. Anybody else? Anybody else? Thank you for that hand. I want to say a prayer. I see that hand. I want to say a prayer all together right now. And I want us to say, I know we said it earlier during communion, but we're going to say it again. And I, this time I want us to have faith to believe that God can do the impossible. Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Set me free from my mindset. Give me the faith to believe that I'm free from my sins. Help me to obey your word. Fill me with the power of your Holy Spirit. Help me to do what is right. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. God good? All the time he's good. Thanks for listening to the South Coast Christian Podcast. We appreciate those who give on a regular basis to South Coast because through your giving, we are able to provide these resources. For more information about South Coast, including service times and ways to give, please visit southcoastchristian.com. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to this podcast. Thanks again, and may this week be filled with new opportunities where you can receive and share God's love.